you know, one of the areas that, you know, we have to talk tackle is that the issue of trust. Investing credentials, you know, I think they really should be issued by authorized credentialing um, authorities, such as your local or state governmental health agency, to just engender trust in, you know, the data itself that, again, it's connected with your immunization information system at the state, so you can trust that it, it is your information. Pop Health Week is brought to you by Health Innovation Media. Health Innovation Media brings your brand narrative alive via original or value-added, digitally curated content for omni-channel distribution and engagement. Connect with us at www.popupstudio.productions. Welcome everyone, I'm Greg Masters, Managing Director of Health Innovation Media and the producer co-host of Pop Health Week. Joining me in the virtual studio is my partner, colleague, and lead co-host of Pop Health Week, Fred Goldstein, President of Accountable Health, LLC. On today's show, our guest is Valerie Rogers, Director, Government Relations for the Health Information Management System Society, also known as HIMSS. Prior to her role at HIMSS, Valerie worked on health system transformation and integration as the Senior Director of Integration at the Association of State and Territorial Health Officials. She also served as the Chief of Staff for the Baltimore City Health Department, where she had oversight of the department's clinical information systems. Prior to her time in Baltimore, Valerie also worked for the National Association of County and City Health Officials as the Director of Public Health Informatics. Valerie holds a bachelor's degree in sociology from Hampton University and a master's degree in public health from Tulane University. So Fred, with that introduction over to you, help us catch up with Valerie's work at HIMSS, which is holding its first post-pandemic annual gala in Las Vegas for fully vaccinated participants from Monday, August 9th to Friday, August 13th, 2021. Thanks so much, Greg and Valerie. Welcome to Pop Health Week. Thank you for having me, Fred. It's a pleasure. We really appreciate you joining us this week. Obviously, this whole area of policy and government relations and the laws and the regs, et cetera, is fascinating in the population health field. But why don't we start with your background? Could you give our audience a little sense of your background? Sure. I'm happy to. So I... I'm currently the director for government relations at HIMSS, the Healthcare Information Management System Society. And I focus primarily on state and local governmental affairs, which is really driven by my background. I previously served as the chief of staff for the Baltimore City Health Department and was very involved in um, connecting systems across the spectrum of care in Baltimore as a part of uh, the city's overall um, health equity initiatives. Um, prior to that, I worked for the National Association of County and City Health Officials, um, where I was one of the direct liaisons um, across, from public health to the broader healthcare environment, if you will. Um, really focused on spurring connectivity across the spectrum, including public health, you know, further than that, I would say, you know, my background is in environmental health policy, my MPH from Tulane University. I have always been really interested in the role that data plays in determining policy, in particular uh, policies that impact the social determinants of health, those structural conditions that influence your health, like housing, um, neighborhood, education, 
uh, food security, the environment. So really happy that having those experiences have influenced my ability to support HIMSS and the really important work we're doing to improve the overall global health ecosystem through information and technology and, and the use of data. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think about you know, policy on a national level, particularly from a health IT approach. What are some of the key issues, you know, if healthcare is local, or all healthcare is local, what are some of the key issues that are more state-oriented or perhaps community-oriented from a policy perspective? Well, you know, I can't say that there's too much that isn't global to local and impact. So what happens on a national scale often, you know, trickles down um, to impact what happens at a state level. So obviously right now, as we're looking at um, our response and our burgeoning or ongoing preparedness around COVID-19, that is a very strong and very important area for which we're seeing the convergence of public health, population health, environment even, and our response to this global pandemic, which is impacting us locally. So it's certainly important that we all just realize that what happens on a national and even a global scale uh, in, term, in the policy realm often does have a strong impact at the local level. Obviously, with COVID, it showed us a lot of things going on from a public health perspective, from an IT perspective, the growth of telehealth. What are you seeing that's, that's sort of the main key points we've learned regarding COVID and the use of IT or interconnectivity? Yeah, I think the key health IT-related issues are really around health system or, and in particular, public health system modernization. Um, vaccine deployment and administration certainly um, is a, a key component that we want to see those systems modernized, moving from paper-based to a more digital environment, reducing barriers to care as it relates to telehealth, really seeing sort of permanent changes that would address barriers to access is really important. Social determinants of health, um, of course, um, in many ways um, ties into all of that. Along with privacy, cybersecurity, um, and security um, being some of the key areas that um, we've we've been focused on. And how much of that is influenced by state policy versus federal policy? Well, I would say that a lot of it is definitely influenced by state policy. Right now, I, I don't know if people realize that there are. In addition to legacy technology, so we're talking about modernization really is the name of the game, and legacy technology is a key component, but there are also legacy policies um, <laughs> that also have to be updated um, given we are now sort of a public health 3.0, health 3.0 environment, much more digital environment. And so, you know, we have to really think about how the many critical health systems are outdated IT systems and, um, and anticipating more modernized systems and, or infrastructure um, in our current aid package um, also has to align with new business processes and new policies that would support um, the ability for our healthcare system and our, our public health system to do the work they need without relying on slow, laborious, antiquated methods that are really just sort of outdated, outpaced by yeah, the technology. I think, 
I agree with you wholeheartedly. One of the classics, obviously, is this whole idea of vaccination cards and things like that. You know, and we're seeing the use of paper. I know with my kids when they went to school, you know, get the paper records, send it over there. So are we seeing a major push? I was actually on a webinar a couple days ago that was with the EU and with the US. I think it may have been a hymns webinar actually on the use of vaccine passports or developing those kinds of things. Are we seeing some major moves in that area that maybe something we finally get this stuff digitized? Absolutely. Um, There's been quite a bit of movement, um, both public and private around this issue. And I'm really um, encouraged by um, this administration's work to really sort of open this up on the policy side for strong consideration of leveraging, uh, you know, digital vaccine credentials. I think we're trying to move away from the idea of passports, that idea being somewhat of, a, of an area where um, there's some confusion about, you know, what a passport means. But certainly having digitized credentials that is interoperable with, say, a state immunization information system that's secure, that the public feels is a way for which they feel they can safely re-enter the business world or schools, Um, reopening the economy um, more broadly during this pandemic is certainly an area that, um, you know, through my work, we are supporting at HIMSS. Um, and even broadly with our partners. So I would say it's, it's certainly on the rise and uh, an area for which we, you know, really stand for, uh, stand by, I should say. And it's really about having a system that's secure, trustworthy, and then can be used by the individual when they need to, but not necessarily looking at it from the other side like you would, oh, it's a passport, I can come in or I can't, but more from I've got this record, it's my record, and I can I can share it if I need to. Absolutely. You know, one of the areas that, you know, we have to talk tackle is that the issue of trust. And vaccine credentials, you know, I think they really should be issued by authorized credentialing um, authorities, such as your local or state governmental health agency, to just engender trust in, you know, the data itself that, again, it's connected with your immunization information system at the state, so you can trust that it it is your information. Um, You know, right now we're seeing conversations around how blockchains for example, could really support by providing an immutable record. It's easily easy to confirm and verify. Um, so that's on the horizon and, and very and very hopeful in, in helping to secure a, a public trust and in, in leveraging um, an electronic record. Um, and I think that you know it's it's really um, interesting. It's a global community conversation that's happening, um, and I know that the U.S. Um, along with the WHO, WHO are also aligning some of the principles and policy that would you know uh, support um, digitized or digital vaccine credentialing um, for the purpose of travel, um, international travel. So that's really, you know, um, a fantastic um, opportunity, burgeoning opportunity that will hopefully help spur even greater um, uh, feelings of uh, secureness and when traveling or going to sports events um, that everyone um, can feel good about. Um, mm-hmm. So, 
and this the the pandemic really showed us um, unfortunately the gaps we had in our public health system and particularly from an IT perspective do you see now the states beginning to say we're going to adequately begin to fund these areas or at least ramp them up? We obviously have great technology companies in the United States and around the world that, that have created amazing things for other industries. Do you see that now beginning to be better recognized and actually other than just talked about actually funded? Yes, I do. Um, as a matter of fact, um, with the passage of ARPA and the and the packages um, that support um, public health data modernization um, and healthcare modernization, um, we now see a more concerted effort um, to realize um, some of the you know sort of 3.0 um, modernized um, and more efficient systems um, that we need in place to be able to tackle. Um, this current crisis, the COVID-19 pandemic and future crises. You know, I, I would say that, um, you know, broadly in the United States, uh, governmental public health and healthcare agencies have had at hand an abundance of data and information um, for which we could improve research, interventions, health policy decision-making, all of those things that would impact the determinants of health at many different levels. And what is exciting and especially important about um, the new resources that we see rolling out and sort of the shift in thinking, both at the state and local governmental levels, as well as you know, federally or nationally, um, is really um, the need to align and interoperate a number of systems and having the resources to now intensively focus on doing that um, is, is super important. And you know what I think is really important to also recognize is that along with um, our ability to modernize these systems, we also then improve the timeliness and the quality of the types of data that, we, that we're working with. Um, we can better coordinate data activities and systems um, reduce the burden on uh, our uh, data partners and, and including providers. Um, so lifting some of that um, demand and burden um, on the providers in particular. And then um, I think it also opens the door to integrate more of the emerging, tech, emerging technologies more efficiently um, for the, the broader public to leverage. Um, so it's not just uh, opportunity here just for our systems, but also for the public as we become more sophisticated, um, the ways in which we seek health care and our health seeking behaviors have, have changed and shifted um, and with access to more information really sort of demands um, much more quick, quicker um, relevant, modernized um, systems that would allow um, for, you know, greater information flow um, to the public, public as well. And if you're just tuning in to Pop Health Week, our guest is Valerie Rogers, Director, Government Relations for the Health Information Management System Society, also known as HIMSS. HIMSS is holding its first in-person gathering since the onset of the pandemic, Monday, August 9th, and Friday, August 13th, 
2021. For more information, go to www.hymnsconference.org. And you talked about information flow and interoperability, obviously a key area that you, you know very well. There's always been this healthcare, and Greg and I have talked about this a bunch, has been um, siloed, you know, very, very siloed, which also meant that the IT systems themselves emulated the healthcare system and became siloed. Is there enough, I don't know if pressure's the right word or whatever, enough on there now that we're beginning to see those walls break down and whether it's through fire or other means to create much more interoperability and is that more of a policy push or is it more of a, hey, we need to become a more effective and efficient business or a little of both? I definitely see um, the policy aspects of this um, issue of siloing and, you know, across healthcare and public health in particular. One of the main reasons why we've really had a public health system that's sort of lagged behind is sort of the lack of coordination and funding to support uh, modernization across all of the systems that are needed during an emergency. So not only is that thinking about an immunization information system, but also your laboratory reporting system, for example. That also includes your health uh, surveillance, what we call like syndromic surveillance and, or health surveillance systems, for example. So all of these really need to be thought of uh, on more of an enterprise comprehensive scale. And I'm really supportive and happy to see the current administration embrace that. The Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT has really, I think, starting to make inroads and in a concerted effort to really sort of bring together a, a more comprehensive plan for modernization across the spectrum of public health systems, which is super important because when they are siloed and, and treated as individual programs, you get what we we see now <laughs> um, in terms of, you know, you might have a good, you know, syndromic surveillance system, but that needs to interoperate and be leveraged in a way that it might not be able to if you don't have other systems within that, you know, public health uh, catchment that are able and ready to go. So that's super important. Yeah, you talked some earlier also about this whole issue of equity um, social determinants of health or social influencer, influencers of health. And obviously we're bringing in, and people are saying, let's bring in more and more of this, these data points. Let's understand this better. Is, is um, that something you're beginning to see people act on? Or is it just still early that we're aggregating the data, beginning to understand what it says? Obviously the COVID pandemic showed just how bad the disparities are. Um, and, and hopefully now everybody recognizes it rather than the small group that really understood it early on. But from an IT perspective, are you seeing that now being moved into a phase of more of an operational area? Absolutely. You know, there are over 40 states, um, maybe just about all states now that um, have made attempts to address social determinants of health by, you know, expanding their partnerships around care coordination in particular. And, and improving their state infrastructure and processes um, related to um, a data capture around social needs. You have 
we've probably seen a lot of that through, for example, our Medicaid managed care contracts or what are known as Medicaid 1115 waiver demonstrations. You know, for example, a really fantastic example is the state of Indiana, which launched the Indiana Data Hub. It was one of the first of its kind in the U.S. that allows for sort of unprecedented public access to secure de-identified Medicaid patient data across the spectrum. So we're talking about land use planning, go figure about land use planning, environmental, so so the environmental aspects um, touched on, human services related data, planning data, as I I just mentioned, uh, along with some of the public health data um, sources to really give both planners, but policymakers in particular, a more robust and significant framework for which to make for to make policies um, around healthcare um, and public health, and also drive public health interventions um, as well. So we're certainly beginning to see a lot of that. And I would just add, you know, we're also seeing more states leverage um, health information exchanges to support social determinants of health data sharing. What comes to mind specifically is the city of San Diego. So this is very local. Um, In San Diego, California, they have one of, uh, I think, the most mature models called the San Diego Health Connect. And that is a really robust example of a partnership where we're we're seeing data linked to social determinants of health data Um, electronic health records sort of combined to support a variety of community-based local policy planning resources. So this really is an example of the place where this silo that we've always seen of public health and the healthcare system is being integrated through an IT platform to bring in that data that the public health department has, some made social determinants of health, that the private sector has, et cetera. Absolutely. Um, A strong public a private um, partnership um, that I think expands um, before, um, you know, last year, um, but is even more significant now given given the challenges that we have with COVID-19 and some of the health equity um, issues that it has exposed. Um, so even more now, we're seeing a concerted effort uh, across states and, and lo- local uh, health agencies to really, um, you know, focus in on modernization, integration, and interoperability with uh, across state agencies and these health information exchanges and other uh, data platforms to really leverage data in a way that's more robust, modernized, um, and quick um, in terms of, of supporting uh, fast decision making when needed. And this whole issue that's now been brought to the fore. Again, we had redlining in communities before and and still do. And now we have sort of this digital redlining in a sense with health IT availability to high-speed internet access, et cetera. But even that's beginning to be addressed through policy. Are the states also playing a role in that? Or is that more of at a federal level? No, states states definitely. Well, let me just preface that is that without um, federal, the federal drive and support um, 
you know, it's absolutely necessary, <laughs> but um, states are definitely open and receptive to, um, you know, working with federal agencies um, to really sort of roll out um, and support, um, you know, digitization across their communities through broadband and having universal access to broadband connectivity um, has been prioritized in a number of states because it is certainly critical. Um, it's an enabler for widespread uh, telehealth access, one, uh, if we're talking about the healthcare arena, um, but it's also an enabler for economic and educational factors that also, believe it or not, contribute to positive or um, positive health outcomes that we wanna see. Mm -hmm. What are the, if you were to pick one or two key policy areas we need to focus on as a country, what would they be in terms of IT? Wow, that's that's a really <laughs> fantastic question because, you know, in my mind, there's a laundry list of key policy areas that we really need to be focused on. You know, right now, I think, and this is something that, you know, I've written about, you know, for HEMS through our global policy call to action is really focused on addressing the pandemic. It's current, it's an issue that is pervasive, and it means that we really need to be strategic in the way that we address this issue. So I talk a lot about modernization. That's really sort of the name of the game in terms of strategic action, um, being able to establish a flexible and more adaptable healthcare environment. That's really critical. That also means on the policy side that we have to look at those sort of antiquated policies that we have on the books at the state level that may limit data and the sharing of data across the spectrum of care. That's something that really has to be, you know, stood up and, and modernized in a way that it, um, supports that flexibility and adaptability, particularly during emergencies. You know, the other thing I would say is that we should also um, focus on, and this is something where HIMSS has been very strong on um, in building a foundation of interoperable platforms, and that goes back to being flexible and adaptable. In order to do that, you need the interoperability that sort of underwrites, you know, the need to facilitate more broad-based data exchange across the spectrum of care. And, you know, we recognize that in, in order to do that, um, we should also be strategic and thinking about the privacy and security protocols that um, would, you know, meet the current needs of this this crisis. But also thinking long term down the road of pending crises that we may encounter, and that doesn't necessarily mean it's an infectious disease crisis. It may also mean um, crises that are maybe more connected to climate change, for example, with natural disasters. Yeah, I could even think of some uh, rather substantial chronic con conditions that we could consider crises today that we could yeah. definitely work on and improve through the use of health, IT, and technology, then interoperability. I think your point of us really modernizing the system is sort of that foundational structure that we need to create through policy, through the technology to get us to where we end up not having a situation like we just had and really improve in a lot of areas in healthcare. So I really appreciate you coming on, Valerie. It's been a pleasure. 
Well, thank you for having me. Um, I've enjoyed our time together and uh, Fred and um, certainly um, look forward to a more modernized uh, public health future. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. And with that, back to you, Greg. And thank you, Fred. That is the last word on today's broadcast. I want to thank Valerie Rogers, Director, Government Relations for the Health Information Management System Society, also known as HIMSS, for time and insights today. For more information on Valerie's work, go to www.himss.org or follow her on Twitter via at enrogers74 and HIMSS, that's H-I-M-S-S, respectively. HIMSS is holding its first in-person gathering since the onset of the pandemic, Monday, August 9th through Friday, August 13th, 2021. For more information, go to www.himsconference.org. And finally, if you're enjoying our work here at Pop Health Week, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast platform of your choice and do follow us on Twitter via at Pop Health Week. Bye now. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 